What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. Hound's got a big three points in their home opener this week, and we're going to talk all about it, along with their upcoming match against the top team in the East, St. Louis. Let's go! I think that's a great question. Now we got to get into the nitty gritty. Guys, how we feeling? Uh, happy but broken. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, who knew tailgating from 12, actually like 11.45 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, would take that much out of you? I, I got to give it to you guys because we got there, it was probably a little bit after 4. And we didn't head into the stadium until around 6. And, you know, Liz was still, like, grabbing random people and pulling them in. And you were still, like, flipping burgers and happy. And I was like, holy cow, man. Like, <laughs> you guys have been out here in the sun for a while, and you're still pretty peppy. So, yeah, kudos to you. Yeah. One of the new things I think I'm going to start bringing to uh, the long tailgates is, you know, those, those standing desk mats? Mm. Like, because <laughs> that's the minute after, you know, a couple hours, that, that, that starts to wear on you. Yeah. So, I feel like I'm just getting old. That's all. Yeah, that's yeah, that's part of that. Kev, how was uh, how was your weekend? It was good. Um, I mean, yeah, I was thinking about uh, on my way from work today about recording tonight, and I, I I don't think like in the history of us being a podcast, I don't think we have we we've ever had more reason to be happy than we are recording this podcast. Weird, right? I mean, like maybe coming up to the like first playoff game in Highmark and all that kind of stuff but even last season it was kind of a slow burn in like the success whereas like this you know this game over the weekend there's so many good things to talk about which we'll talk about in a second oh, yeah. but yeah it's like it's I feel like this, this is one of the yeah we have we have some of the most reasons to be happy recording this podcast uh than that we have ever had in like the three odd years that we've been doing it yeah it was pretty crazy because uh you know the the game aside it just felt like the entire atmosphere was just one giant party you know we showed up the 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 steel army had been going strong for a while we were just able to pop in um you know uh we uh we got to meet up with velarde's family they were there they were talking about um how i guess they were giving anthony a hard time about his interview just like razzing on him and apparently they have walking tacos they just call them frito bowls so um, they, they couldn't remember it at the time, but like as I was I was there with them and they were like, Oh, we call these Frito bowls. They were like loading them up and then we were hanging out. <laughs> and then um, we found out that friends of ours from back in Forest Hills before we moved, one of the kids was having a birthday party there. So there was like a ton of people that we knew from Forest Hills that we kept running into, just walking around. We were walking through the stadium to go to our seats. Matt Geico was coming out, so he and I were chatting. It was just like one big like it was almost like a reunion in some way. And you figure it's kind of weird because the Hounds have already played, you know, three games already, four games already. To, to have this sort of reunion-like atmosphere at game five just feels a little bit weird. But at the same time, it was their first home opener for the season. Uh, you know, only home opener for the season, but the first time at home. And it just, it was great. It was so much fun. Yeah, it definitely had a different feel than previous seasons. I mean, it's it's... It's kind of cool because we thought, you know, after the home playoff game that it was going to grow 
the fan base, we we would see an increase. Um, but it wasn't really proven to be true until this game. Because, yeah, getting uh, almost well, over 5,000 people uh, tickets sold um, into that stadium and seeing what it looked like, just like it looked the same from the um, home playoff game, but for this just to be a regular season game, uh, granted it was the home opener, but still it's just a regular season game. Uh, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And yeah, just hugely unexpected. Like everything's growing so fast. Was that more attendance than the home playoff game last year? No, it's actually seven tickets less Aww. than the home playoff game, uh, which I, you know, come on. Someone in the, the box office just buy seven tickets. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> buy eight tickets, actually. And then just say, look, we sold more tickets than we did last <laughs> home yeah. opener. Um, I'll tell you what, I think at one point, uh, I think it might have been Polanski who was behind me and it was 20, 30 minutes in the game. And there was still a massive line of people waiting to get inside. Like there were, it was just wall to wall people. And it was funny because there were, there were obviously a lot of people that this was their first game that they had been to, which was great. But a lot of them were talking about like, Oh, you know, we gotta, we gotta get tickets for this moving forward. And, and the one guy that I knew from forest Hills, he was like, you know, I just bought all these tickets for this birthday party. And this guy almost talked me into buying season tickets. He was like, I'm, I might consider getting season tickets. And, um, one of the other adults, you know, she was like, oh, where, where are you guys sitting? And we were like, over over with the Steel Army, where like the smoke and stuff. She's like, do, do you need like a like a special pass to go sit over there? Can like anybody come <laughs> sit? I was like, oh, no, no, no. Anybody can go sit. You like, you should come join us. Um, and the shocker of all shockers, I love my wife to death, but we got about half an hour into the game and like she's just laughing and having a blast and chanting. And she was like, you know. In a few years, I could see us getting season tickets to this. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> what? Uh? So uh, it, was a, it was a good show, for sure. Um, definitely, yeah. definitely a good time. And before we, we get into the game of it, uh, also, I, I don't know if you guys saw the TIFO on the stream or not, but uh, that went off without a hitch. I was super happy to see that. We, we kind of have a whole new setup now for that whole system. And uh, it was kind of like one of those things where it's like, okay, game day, first time us using it, let's see if this works. And nothing ripped, nothing fell apart. It was all good. It looked amazing. Yeah, yeah I super proud of that. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, the one other shout out I got to give is um, the number of fans. It, it's still it's it's very weird for me, and I apologize if I made it weird. I don't take compliments very well, but the number of fans who came up before, during, and after the game and just said how much they love the show and like how they thought we had a great off season and all those things. Um, you know, thank you everyone who sort of approached me and said that and um, was really cool. We really appreciate all of the feedback. Um, and you know, I apologize if I had to bail to go chase down one or two kids, uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, we love talking to everybody as it is. So, um, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's get into the game. Um, guys, hounds win three to one. Honestly, like, you know, the only thing that would have been better would be if it was three, nothing, but Angulo was the one that scored and it was a wonder goal that made it in sports centers top 10. So I can't even really complain about that too much. Um, did it, was it number one or something? It was number two. It was number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, the fact that he didn't really celebrate in, in respect of sort of coming back mm. to Highmark was good. Mm. He, 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 he did. He just sort of stood mm. there in the team mobbed him. His whole team like, like, like flocked onto him and like jumped on him, but he kept his hands down. He seemed to just like stand there and just not 
do anything. Yeah. On the stream, I don't know. I seem to recall this kind of smug look on him. Like, yeah, I'm oh, amazing. He like, just scored well, that's right. Well, yeah. He better have a smug look. <laughs> I mean, uh, but before we get too far into it. Yeah. Uh, oh, there it is. Yeah, sorry. Totally missed the victory beverage. <laughs> it's two in a row. We got to keep this train rolling. Guys, um, takeaways. Kev, give me a takeaway from the stream. What'd you see? Um, I mean, I'm going to start at the beginning. I obviously have a ton more to talk about it, but I I thought it was... I liked the starting lineup. It was more adventurous. Um, switching Kerr for Dabo. Um, it was an obvious attacking uh, switch. Um, you know, we pushed Forbes a bit further back and had him sit by uh, Vonky Zeal. And it, it started looking like a 4-2-3-1, but I think it, it evolved into a 4-4-2 with Brett and DeSantis up top um, with Kerr and Velarde um, on either side of a midfield forward. But, I, I mean, look, look that's, a, that's an attacking switch. It's a positive switch. You're at home. You're, you're against a team you're expected to dominate against. And I think it paid off really well. Um, I thought we defended relatively well. We, we held Hartford to very few chances. Um, you know, it's hard to defend against their goal. I still want to talk about it, but it's hard to defend. <laughs> it's hard to defend against it. Um, so yeah, I, I, w- I was happy about that. And uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say it now and get it out of the way. Yeah, I mean, so Kerr coming in for Dabo. You know, I, Kerr was you know my man of the match. Uh, yeah, he was incredible. Um, he, yeah, he played. He played. No, he played really well. The the assist for DeSantos was great. Um, the goal was. I mean, it's it's going to get overshadowed by Hartford's goal, but. I mean, it's a it's a hell of a goal. Um, he he, one more inch to the right and it's it hits the post and goes out, and one more inch to the left and the keeper saves it. I think the keeper even gets a gets a touch to it. Um, but yeah, so no, he he stepped up in a big way, and uh, hopefully that continues. I, I mean, that was the kind of performance that you want from the veteran who's been here for seven years. He knew the weight of this game. He stepped in. He performed. It was great. It made me think about, Kev, we had this conversation, I forget how many years ago it was, when I bought a USA soccer kit. And I typically am not one to get names and numbers on the back of my jersey. But I said, you know what? I'm doing it this time. I need somebody that, regardless of what happens, is going to be a name that's going to be associated with this team for a long time. And people are going to you know, recognize as being a, a solid player. And I ended up going Can with I- Landon. Go ahead. Oh, uh, there you go. Never mind. I was yeah. going to say, can I guess before you say it? But yeah, Donovan. Yeah, it was. I got I got a Landon Donovan jersey. I Kevin Kerr is the closest thing to that for the Hounds, I think, for me at this point. If you had to go through and pick any Hound in the history of Hounds and say, I want one jersey that I'm going to hang on the wall that, you know, uh, the majority of people are going to recognize years from now, I think it's Kevin Kerr. It has to be Kevin Kerr, right? I mean, they're, definitely. They're, I mean, at least with the modern era of the Hounds, it, it's Kevin Kerr. Highmark era, it's it has to be him. I mean, it, just on the sheer fact that he's the only one who's still playing who's been there since 2013. Uh, so he has that on his, his side. But he also just has some great records uh, season after season. He is always a staple of pretty much the offense and the midfield. And I, I can't imagine anyone else. Yeah. He's, he's currently one assist away from becoming the Hounds' all-time assist leader. He's one goal away from being tied for third for the most regular season goals for the Hounds. Uh, number three is Curry Herzog, which I kind of have mixed feelings. Like I, Corey's a nice guy, but like the fact that he's third in team history in regular season goals is not great for the team. Um, so, yeah. 
kudos kudos to him. It clearly meant a ton to him. Um, you could just see the sheer joy on his face when he scored, and um, you know a lot of the kids there have him as a coach, and they were all really excited about it. And it, yeah, overall, it was just a great way to, to to kick off the the homestead here with him. Homestand, homestead. That's something else entirely. Homestand um, this season. Josh, what uh, what other takeaways do you got here? Yeah, uh, going back to the formation, uh, just the the more attack minded that this was, um, it's not quite the. Uh, it might be a little bit more close to the crazy fun time we talked about, as far as you know what we were looking at. But I definitely don't think we're going to see this formation all the time. This felt like a a attack focus, forward thinking as far as when you're playing against a team like Hartford. I don't think we see this uh, even next week. I, I don't think you you can get away with it. Um, with that said, we still looked pretty darn good in the back. It's not like, I mean, obviously they got a goal on us, but that goal was, <laughs> that was more the midfield at that point than it was the defense because of where it was kicked from. It was almost midfield to begin with. Uh, so I, I don't think we'll see this again. I was just curious about your guys' take on that. Do you, do you think this is like going to be a more regular type of lineup or is this like a one-off type thing? I, honestly, I was a bit surprised to see it. I, I shouldn't say I was surprised. I mean, considering all that we've seen up to this point with the Hounds rolling out sort of a five in the back and then something up in front of that, and we talked about playing a lot of long balls, and then talking to Velarde, who said that they were going to come out and really sort of press the game, I thought that that was sort of confirmation that that was, in fact, what they were trying to do. Like, let's just go four in the back, put more emphasis up front, um, and really sort of push things. But as for whether or not, I mean, I'd like to see them do it more I just it, especially from where we were it was hard to tell if this was just the the a situation of us executing it so well or was it just that Hartford is just not that great Kev how do you feel about this I mean I, I think it's something that we can see more um I don't see any reason against it and I mean it, it it's hard to put this stat that I'm about to say solely down to the personnel that was on the field but I mean one of the things I've been kind of harping on in the previous weeks is our pass accuracy um, numbers. Um, so what last week we played Louisville, I mean, we get the win. We we allow Louisville to have more of the possession and we play a bit more counterattacking. And so based on that alone, you would expect pass, pass accuracy to drop a bit if you're in a bit more counter direct route kind of thing. But our pass accuracy was 50%, uh, like 57% uh, last week. And to put it into maybe a more appropriate context, comparing against this game, when we played Beth Steele uh, two weeks ago, we had 55% of the possession. And even still then, we had only 68% pass accuracy. And so I think now that you you have Forbes and Vonky Azeal, two players that are much more comfortable on the ball than Dabo is, um, our pass accuracy goes up to 77% in this game, um, even though we technically had less uh, less amount of possession so I think yeah I mean it, when, when you have the players in the field who are more comfortable with the ball at the at their feet who are more technical and all that kind of stuff not I'm not trying to um knock Dabo here at all I mean I, I think he's just a different player for a different, different type of game but I think you can see a lot of benefits when you have this kind of personnel in the field and I think that kind of played out with how much control we were able to keep uh over over the game and I think it's it's really beneficial so yeah I think Lily's just gonna have to pick his games um, for when it's appropriate. I don't, I don't think this is going to be like 
a, a new starting platform 11 that he's going to use 90% of the time just because I don't think Lily kind of operates like that. But I, I think it's definitely another tool in the toolbox. Could also be a fact that this uh, being our first home game against a side that is struggling, that they played a little bit more into the park the bus type mentality, the, the, the sitting back more, not trying to attack as much, which gave us more of the ball, which also meant that we could you know, pass it around more freely uh, in our half at least, and uh, not get as much pressure there. So, I mean, that could also be a, a lot to do with why our passing accuracy was, was up and our possession was up. Um, just, you know, kind of think of it that way. And then I guess, uh, so I know it's kind of like a, I don't know what formation you guys would say, like a, what? That's like what a 4-4-2, four, four, yeah. 4-4-2, four, four, like, I would say 4-4-2, four, four, but at the same time, it's like, we got Ryan James and uh, Dover kind of moving up so much that it almost doesn't feel like we had that much protection in the back because they are most of the time more like a midfield uh, players than they are defensive players. I mean, I do want to give them credit. Yeah, I mean, along those lines, I thought we were very fluid in build-up and attack. I think, you know, when it, when we when possession switched and, and Hartford had the ball, I think, you know, obviously we got organized and we got structured. Um but I think when we had the ball and we were pressing, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it, it was hard to put a recognized formation to it. Um, along the lines of, of Ryan James, I, I, I want to go to my really one, one of my only negative points that I want to talk about in the podcast. I thought him and, and Nico Brett were the kind of shadowy spots on the game. I thought neither of them particularly had a good game. Um, I think... I mean, I I think one of the best things you can say about James is he, he puts in a shift. I mean, his his work ethic is admirable. He's never going to get, you know, you, you're never going to be able to criticize him for not tracking back or not, you know, closing down. But I think sometimes he can just, his his positioning can be a little bit off and his final ball can be a little bit off. Um, and I think, yeah, Nico just, I mean, it, it might be the contrast with DeSantos, who I thought had a great game once again i think DeSantos is kind of establishing himself as our premier forward um i mean the guy can really do it all um and i think maybe in contrast with that brett can i, I don't know i don't know if brett's still kind of figuring out his role alongside him um but in a game where i think DeSantos got on the ball a lot brett brett went missing a lot um I, I'm I'm gonna challenge that slightly because Brett was you know one crossbar away from having two goals in this game, yes. so like yeah. But the first was a pen, and the second yeah. one I said when he when he hits the crossbar, I that was the first time that I really noticed him all game. I mean I I don't know I, sitting with sitting at the you know the end zone of the uh, of the field it's it's hard to get a really good picture of what's going on and unfortunately i just didn't have a chance to rewatch this game from you know the typical tv angles but i felt like there were at least a few opportunities where he was getting on the ball and making some plays out of it um i i will second the dos santos thing i think coming in i started to have some feelings of like you know is dos santos like another Romeo parks where it's like the potential's there. He's a big body. He might like, you know, but just, it's just not all there. But I think the more and more games that we have with him, the more we're seeing the team finding ways to get him the ball, he, the way he needs to get the ball. And that's what's making a difference here. 
And like with Dos Santos, what's kind of cool about him is he he is a big body where he can like turn the ball and, and hold up uh, the defenders. But he's also got this ability to draw fouls, which a big guy normally can't do. For some reason, he's been getting fouls called, you know, one after the other. And this PK in this game is all because of him. I mean, it, it was it soft? Yeah. And obviously that kind of even brings more credence to this, to the fact that DeSantos was able to get that penalty. But uh, it, he just is a smart player. And I feel like that's where we didn't see with Parks. Parks was a a good player, but I never felt like he had the wherewithal the whole game. Like he wasn't you know, playing chess essentially during the game. And Dos Santos seems like he, he knows what's going on. He's, he's able to get in those positions. And even though Brett didn't have the best game, and I also agree that that uh, crossbar was so close to being great, <laughs> but uh, he is, I feel like uh, people who play us are, are still looking at him as being our our kind of our star, our striker. So they're they're covering him more, which is leaving DeSantos open more and able to get in those positions. And it's it's special with him because it's easy because he has a habit of looking like he's kind of like standing still sometimes. We're like, oh, he's not running a lot. He's not kind of like getting in the positions, but he's sneaky. He like he'll get where he needs to be, and you don't even realize he's there yet. Yeah. Um, whereas I feel like with Brett, he's he's constantly on the move. He's he's searching those out. So he's easier for defenders to kind of like gravitate towards. Whereas Dos Santos is like just kind of like sneaking in there. Yeah, Dos Santos's positional sense is great, and and I think the other thing is, I th- I think we can get kind of trapped into the stereotype of the big man up front and want to play to his chest and want to play to his head and and I, and I know like he gets his goal from across and he heads it in and all that kind of stuff it's great header but I think he's also I mean he's he's a surprisingly good technical player for his size I think like I you know th- there's a stereotype I guess if you watch the English Premier League there's a player Christian Benteke where I think so many people just say oh he's a big man just cross he just wants crosses he wants crosses and I think you know his game is more he you know he has a better touch and and you know he, he can kind of get lost in the game sometimes like that and I feel like that's Dos Santos I think if if we just treat him like like a big man and just want him to get him in the box and just send crosses in his way I think we'd be underutilizing him because I think he has a lot of skill and, and control he can pick out a pass um yeah he's, he's a really intelligent uh footballer one of the things that i always enjoy about being at the games is a lot of the stuff that you can see off the ball he takes a beating off the ball too yeah. like defenders don't mess around with him and it's just like every two minutes he's getting slapped pushed pulled kicked and like you know i, I think when we were watching the games on tv when they were away oftentimes it was like man he's He's going down a lot, but like <laughs> he's going down a fraction of what he could be considering everything that goes on off the ball. So, yeah, and Josh, like you said, he's drawing fouls. So, like, great. You know, you guys want to attack him? Go for it and just don't break him. <laughs> That's all. So, I mean, that being said, I mean, kind of finishing the, you know, wrapping up the conversation with DeSantos, you know, I thought everyone else on the field, I mean, barring what, I, what I've already said about James and Brett. But everyone else in the field was great. I mean, everyone had a really good game. I thought Forbes and Funky Zeal were that. I mean, that was that was some of the best midfield play I think I've seen the Hounds have in a long time. I thought both of them were just on it. I, I mean, I can't remember a pass that they misplaced. I thought all of it was just re- they they moved the ball, they kept it ticking over. They were great defensively. 
Everything was organized. Everything was calm. Everything was composed. Both Forbes and Bonkizio have great composure in the middle of the field. Um, you know, as we already talked about before with Dabo, I don't think it's appropriate for every game, but I thought, yeah, as a midfield pairing, I thought they were just incredible. And I don't want to, I mean, this isn't like tooting our own horn at all, but I think that when the Hounds originally started bringing people back, and I think in this offseason we started talking about, like, you know, what would your starting 11 be? I think a lot of us were thinking of Van Kiesel and Forbes as being sort of that midfield type pairing where you had Van Kiesel could sit a little bit further back and play in front of the defense who could either feed short balls to Kenny or could feed long balls. And then you have Kenny who could really have a little bit of space to run things and find the attackers. And that's what it felt like this game was. And so it'll just be interesting to see if this is something that continues or if, you know, next week against St. Louis, we sort of revert back and Tommy V's back in, in D and, and we go from there and it's just a whole nother look. So, um, would you guys think about Lungard and Hartford's goal? You, I was gonna say, you want to talk about the goal? I totally, I literally was walking up the stands to get back to the seat when the ball went in the net. Like I didn't think anything was gonna happen, and people were like, "What happened?" I was like, "I had no idea," and they didn't have a replay at the game. So, I mean, watching the replay after the fact, that's tough, man. Like, you never want to be caught out like that as that, a keeper. That's tough, as in what? That it's it's what do you explain yourself? It, you it's <laughs> it's tough. tough to criticize somebody on something like that. I think as a keeper, you never want that goal to happen to you. It's like years ago when Tim Howard scored off of a goal kick or something like that, where he like didn't even celebrate because it's something that like you just feel bad for the keeper because you just don't expect it. And I think this was a scenario where. Lungard was probably getting himself prepared for the buildup, waiting for runners, keeping his eye on other things, and just never expected that shot to happen. And so he was just a little bit further off his line than he should have been. And now you're going to tell me I'm wrong, aren't you, Kev? Well, no, I I, I will get to my opinion in a second, but I want to follow up with you. Uh, do you like try to answer as honestly as possible? And I know it's kind of Im- Im- impossible, but if you think this game ends one one, do you think that opinion is the same? Or do you, or do you think your opinion of the of the goalkeeping situation is, you know, painted in the context of, it doesn't matter in the end because we won three one. I think if this game's one one, I'm not pinning the draw on Lungard. Um, I'm pinning it on the fact that we missed a number of other opportunities that we should have put in. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, uh, yeah, I. I I think if we lost one nothing, even at that, I'd probably be like, "That was a pretty good goal." Like I, I don't know. I mean, would you expect him to make that save nine times out of ten? I don't think so. Josh, how do you feel about all this? <laughs> I mean, looking back at that goal, uh, I, I I thought he was way more off his line than he was. He was actually just at the the. Uh, the top of the what, six yard box, yeah. like the first box, he was he was on the line when the ball was kicked. So I thought he was more like kind of in the middle of the penalty area, like kind of trying to rush back. But that's where he was when the the kick happened. And I think he honestly just didn't think it was going to dip as much as it did because you're you're looking at that coming in. And I remember I was watching, and that was pretty much right behind the goal when it happened. And I saw that ball coming, and I was all like, "Well, that's a way high." you know, kick, like that's not going to drop and didn't just be in like a maze when I saw it finally drop right before it went into the goal. 
So I'm wondering if it was more of a, you know, he thought he was in a good position where if it did drop, he could get to it, and then it just didn't happen. And you can kind of see him, like, tracking back, tracking back, and just being, like, surprised and just falling backwards when he went to reach for it. So, I mean, yeah, I I feel like he probably, you know, a little bit more awareness and uh, protecting a little bit more, he could have made that save. But at the same time, like, that was a hell of a kick. That was a beautiful, like, he turned so fast, and he got that kick off before anyone expected him to. And the fact that he took it from where he did was a surprise to everyone. Like, no one thought he would be trying from that far out. So it's more of a, a cheeky type of thing where it's like you don't expect someone to actually try that. And then when he did it, you're just like, oh, wow, okay. You know, props to you. Look. If we said we want crazy fun times, if the other team is scoring goals like that and we're still coming away with a win, I I can't complain too much, right? But Kev, you, I feel like you have a point in all of this. <laughs> so like, why don't you hit us with How, your how point? could you tell? Me smiling. Me <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think the only thing is, I think I think if Morton's in net, I think we're having a different discussion. And I think that's my biggest thing is as soon as it went in, I was thinking if because it's Lungard, I think we're all giving him the benefit of the doubt because we all in the back of our mind think Lungard's a better keeper than Morton. Morton's already screwed up earlier in the season. And I think if, if Morton's in net, we're thinking that's, that's Kyle again, just another reason we need to keep uh, Lungard in the net. I, I have more points, but I'll stop because I can tell there's a rebuttal coming. I just want one thing. <laughs> For me, it's not that it's Lungard in net. It's the fact that Ngulu kicked it. Uh, I mean, this is probably my bias showing, but Having an affinity for Angulo for when he played for the Hounds and how fun he was to watch and the, just all that nostalgia when he was on the field. Right. Seeing him make a, a, a goal like that was kind of like, at the time, it sucked because it, it evened up the, the scoreline. But afterwards, when the game's all over, being like, I'm really glad I got to see him score like that. I'm really glad, you know. It sucks that we didn't clean sheet, but it was a beautiful goal. <laughs> so it, I think for me, at least, it's less about who's in net and more about who took the kick. So like, if, if it was Romeo Parks who makes that goal, are we feeling any different? Like, <laughs> <I'm feeling. laughs> yeah. But I guess that's, that's a good point. That's a really good point. So, Kev, well, for me, at least. Maybe that's not like everyone else, but for me, that's, that's what I feel like. Yeah, I don't mind Romeo Parks too much. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what was your other point, Kev? Well, I know. Yeah. So I, I just, I look, obviously, you know, anywhere else on net and, you know, it, he puts that in the near perfect spot where he can't get it. So like I, I, I give Lungard a bit, you know, forgiveness there, but I think at the same time, I don't think it's unfair to say that, most good goalkeepers, no matter the situation, shouldn't be letting in goals from 40 yards. And, I, I you know, yes, he took it quick. Yes, it was a great hit. Yes, it kind of caught everyone unexpected. But, you know, that's that's part of being a good goalkeeper is, is even, even when you're not being tested, even when your team is in control of the game and you're not facing a lot of shots, staying concentrated all the time, and being ready for everything, I think is is yeah. It's so I, yeah. I don't know. That, that's that's my only thing. I'm not saying it's not like you know it's the 90th minute and it's one one and it's a you know an easy shot and he just goes through his hands and it goes in. I, I'm not trying to put that level of blame on him at all. But I think I think you know 
if if you want to be a top keeper in the USL, I just I, I don't I don't think, you know, I think you save it. So I guess the question is, in your mind, then what was the better goal, Angulo's goal or Kerr's goal? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the technique of Angulo's goal was. I mean, it's it's obviously more flashy and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, like you you can make the argument that Kerr's goal was better just because like I think Hartford did everything right. You know what I mean? Like I like I I'm not I'm not sitting here criticizing Hartford's keeper for for Kerr's goal because he did everything right. He got a, he got a hand to it. Hartford's defender even closes down the angle uh, properly. Kerr is just, you know, 22 yards out and just hits the perfect ball. I mean, he has to curl it. He has to bring it out and, and pull it back in. He does it, and he does it inch perfectly. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm biased, but sure. Yeah, Kerr's goal is better. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you, you might be a little bit biased because right now, at least according to the, the rankings on the USL championship site, they're, they're having a goal of the week. Uh, competition and out uh, 200 votes right now. Kerr sitting at 34 percent and uh, Angulo sitting at 43 percent uh, of the vote. So right I now mean, people it. are saying, like, I, but Angulo's goal, like you said, it's it's more flashy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a prettier goal. But I I actually I mean the fact that I voted for Kerr on like five computers so far, <laughs> uh, shows that I I believe that you know, Kerr's goal was was better. Uh, but yeah yeah I do think uh, it was definitely a flashy goal that was fun to watch even for a side getting scored on, I think. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's one of those scenarios where it's like, you know, Kerr was like, look, I don't I don't care if you're doing everything correctly. I'm still going to score here. Whereas, yeah, Angulo's goal kind of relied on, at least in my opinion, a goalkeeping kind of lapse um, in concentration. Yeah. Guys, uh, I got a few other points here, and then we'll sort of turn the page on this game. One... I find it interesting. We talked about this a little bit off air. We've played five games so far this year, and we've gotten four PKs, um, three of them that we've scored on. This can't continue, right? I mean, granted, you have Dos Santos. No, it, who's, can't. It, it can't. You have Dos Santos is in the box who's getting knocked around, and obviously when we played at Louisville, the turf, I think, had a big part of why we got the PK. Um, it was just terrible conditions and bodies colliding and all of that. Um I don't. I'm trying to remember how many PKs we had in all of last year. We may not have had five in all of last year. I didn't have a chance to go back and look, but there's not an easy place for me to find this stat because I was just looking on the the wiki page, thinking it was on there. Yeah. but I don't have access to it. Uh, yeah, little research. Maybe we can uh, tweet it out and uh, kind of give that stat at a later date. Yeah, because I know I have access to it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is ridiculous. I I, I don't know if it's just a change in just the team dynamic or like the way we're playing as far as like trying to be more uh, clever with the balls a little bit uh, the wrong. Well, maybe, yeah, a little bit more like passing around in the box and that kind of stuff instead of just trying to, you know, dump it forward and hope for the best. Um, But it's as far as like, if you look at all the PKs or not PK kicks, but all the, the fouls that caused PKs, I feel like they're kind of, they're, they weren't drawn. All of them weren't drawn. Some of them were legit. Like, you know, this was definitely not on purpose. But they were – our players getting the right position and making the defense make a decision, and they usually made the wrong decision. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think that it's something that 
traditionally I may have looked at and been like, well, you know, if, if you look at all of the goals that we got, you know, if a third of them or half of them so far in the season come from PKs, like that's not sustainable. Like, is that any concern in terms of the attack? And I think just to sort of air it out, I don't think so. I think we had enough other chances in this game that, you know, we talked about Brett's nail off the crossbar. There were a couple of other opportunities where, you know, if, if we just sort of sync up in one or two places, you got another shot on net. I'm not concerned at this point. Are either of you guys concerned about the fact that, you know, such a high percentage of our goals have come from PK so far? No. No, I, I, and on top of it, I mean, like, we have the example of Kerr's goal. We have the example of DeSantis' goal. We have the example of the almost Brett goal. All three of those were really well-worked team yeah. goals. I mean, I think that w- one of the biggest tragedies of the game was that Brett doesn't score that goal because I think it was – it was, a, it was a wonderfully well-worked play. I mean, I, I, you know, another shout-out to Velarde. I was going to mention it before we moved on to anything else, and here's an opportunity to do so. But I thought he was a good, solid home opener performance for him. I mean, I, I think both her, him and Kerr, I mean, both of them get subbed off around 70. And I was like, yeah, that's coming. Like, the, I think both of them started to wane a little bit as the game went on. Um, like, I, I just don't know if Kerr is a 90-minute player anymore, which is completely fine and fair if he keeps putting in performances like that. Whatever. Have him be the first sub. Um, and I think Velarde kind of slowed down a little bit too. But, yeah, I mean, like, Velarde cuts it back for Brett um, f- for that chance, and it was a great cutback. You know, it, he sh- – I think that you know we talked about it before. I think Velarde one of the one of his best traits is he just doesn't care if he makes mistakes. He's gonna he's just gonna keep going. Uh, you know he he can he can make a turnover and fine, and then you know ten seconds later he'll try that same pass again. Like he, he it's not gonna deter him. Um, and I think that's really important. I think in a team that la- we, you know I, I think we lack a little bit of that. I think maybe too often. A lot, a lot of our players can kind of just take a safe option. I mean, you know, I love, I love, love Forbes and Vonky Zeal so much, but both of those players are more of, you know, kind of controlled midfield generals who, you know, Forbes can pick out a pass for sure. But, but I that's think, that's why you have eighty percent pass completion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> and, and, but yeah, I think nine times out of ten, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna pick the higher percentage ball more times than not where i think velarde is he's he's in there for that reason to try to create chances and i think he's he's gonna he's you know he did it this game and i thought he had a good game yeah there was another opportunity in the 21st minute uh actually forbes uh slotted a ball to DeSantos, and DeSantos took a kick and uh it was saved so i mean we we definitely had opportunities and uh, as far as should we be concerned i feel like the reason no is not just because we got two great goals from run and play this game and, and two other great opportunities. But it's also because these penalties weren't like flukes. They weren't yeah. like ones that looked like we barely got, you know, we got lucky by getting a PK. They were kind of more of a precise, you know, attack and, and making them make that decision. So it, it, those type of PKs, I feel like are just as good. Like it's just, that takes a talent as well. And uh, yeah, so the fact that we're getting those and run and play goals now, yeah, I'm not concerned. Two other, you know, sort of just side notes from the day. One, after the game, Josh, did you get on the field? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The field feels good, man. Like, it feels super good. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's kind of like, Kev, just to sort of paint the picture, like before it was almost like if you took 
um, and this is exaggerating, but if you took like turf and just laid it on like concrete, like you could feel how hard it is underneath the turf. This almost felt squishy. Like it almost like my feet almost like sank in a little bit. And like, I almost felt like they could move. It was nice. The kids had a good time running around and rolling around and <laughs> two of my kids were doing somersaults right next to the press conference. I was like, guys, just please. No, come here. Just, just get, no, get away, get away, get away. Um, so yeah, the, the field feels great. You know, congrats to, to the people at Highmark stadium, the hounds and all that are getting that done. I have one little nitpicky thing, um, that I think is sort of a result of the success that we've had in terms of getting people to the stadium, which is what we want. But I just feel like if we're going to consistently sell out Highmark stadium, then we've got to do a better job at the concession stands of getting people in and out. Um, there were a couple different people that I talked to where it was just like, yeah, I waited in line for 20 minutes for this thing. And honestly, I kept my kids desperately wanted dipping dots. So I kept looking over my shoulder after halftime at the line. And finally the line went down. I went down and stood with them and literally stood in line for 20 minutes for dipping dots and missed both of the hounds goals while we were waiting in line. And it was just like, there was eight people in front of me like it shouldn't have taken that long and I, I i just think that that's a situation where you have more people at the stands or at the stadium and you just need more bodies to move them through and so it's just yeah it, we're we're, no, we're just victims mean, yeah, of I'm, our I'm, success i'm happy you're talking about that because obviously i'm not able to experience that kind of stuff but yeah it's important right i mean you want to make it as an enjoyable you know as an experience as possible and yeah that's that's not good and I think a lot of that is also it's a home opener, so you have a lot of staff who are not experienced because right. a lot of these are, um, I believe, they're volunteers yeah. and they take donations for like their their you know youth hockey team and that kind of stuff. Uh, so they're parents of like those type of teams, and so yeah, they're they're not you know completely trained up and uh, ready to go. Now a lot of them stick around the whole season, so after a couple of games, they 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 got the gist down and they they know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, this was a pretty heavy home opener as far as, you know, expectations. And, uh, I also think maybe it would be a lot more helpful is, um, some cash only lines, like kind of get those fast lines going yeah. because a lot of times it is the credit card transactions, which are important to have because, you know, hardly anyone carries cash anymore, but yeah, having those cash only lines might, uh, encourage people to pay with cash and, uh, get the lines moving a lot faster. Yeah, I agree. Otherwise I, Kev, I think, you know, as you said at the beginning, you couldn't really ask for anything else. Like it was, we, we went home happy, exhausted. Everybody felt, well, except for me, everybody fell asleep in the car on the way home and they were happy. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, overall it was just, it was a really, really good time. No. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, we've already talked about it, but I just want to say it once more. I mean, it, you know, I think the past two off seasons, we've talked about the importance of trying to get more fan culture around the club and everything. I mean, watching it on the stream, it was great. I mean, to, to see a regular season game with that many people in the stadium, I mean, just, just watching it, it made, it made watching it so much more enjoyable. I mean, it's, it's an obvious thing that I think all, all of us experience, but it's, it's, it's not maybe obvious to talk about, but I mean, when you watch other games around the world, um, like one of the reasons why the, the Premier League is such a big product that makes so much money is because of the whole fan culture around it. Like those stadiums are packed every week and there's, there's, there's fans and there's, there's banners and there's flags and there's chants and there's, you know, 
Whereas if you watch like some of the Italian games, you know the, the stadium's like twenty five percent full. It just feels weird watching it. It's kind of a shell of a game. It's like okay, if the, if their fans don't even think it's important, why am I watching it and all that kind of stuff? And so, you know, watching the Hounds play in front of a crowd like that, I mean, it's it's a it makes the USL a better product. It makes the Hounds a better product. Um, yeah, I mean, so it's it was. I can't stress enough. I mean, I, I would almost argue one of the best things about the game. Obviously, we needed to win to try to pull those people back, but I would almost argue getting those fans in the stadium was almost the best positive to take away from the game because it was great. <laughs> and they had a, a game that they could be motivated by because it, it wasn't a, a slog of a game. It was a fun game to watch. Three goals from us, one goal from them. I mean, that, that was a game that was fun. Um, and also with that is uh, the the local press was was there as well. Uh, Post Gazette had someone in the box or in the uh, media uh, area, and uh, they wrote a really great article. I can't remember his name who wrote it, unfortunately, but yeah, it's it's linked out there. Uh, Steel Army retweeted it, and everyone, everyone pretty much did. The yeah, soul. I saw, cru- I saw the you had s- comments on it. It was good. <sighs> the soul crushing thing about that was that. It wasn't in the print edition on Sunday. I went to my my in laws oh, house. It? No, and I was like, "Come on!" It was a great. I read it. It was a fantastic article. But I will say, the hounds have been everywhere this week. And so again, I, I keep saying that sort of like my barometer for how much is it sinking into non soccer culture in Pittsburgh is I'll talk to my in laws and my mother in law is like, "Oh, I saw them on the news, and there was in this thing over here and over there. like they're everywhere." I'm like. Good. Okay, it's hitting the people like who typically aren't following it. So, yeah, it was Craig Meyer. Yep. He's the one that wrote the article, and uh, yeah, it was it was a fantastic article. I uh, yeah was really surprised, uh, not because you know they don't write fantastic articles over there, but just surprised how insightful it was and in depth it was, and it, it felt like a complete picture uh, and not just surface level yeah. praise. And I guess one last thing, Kev, to your point about sort of watching it and seeing all the fans, our buddy Ryan Allen, who's on the USL show and lives in the Carolinas, he messaged us and said, you know, just watching the game, it looks like a fantastic atmosphere. Congrats to you guys in Pittsburgh and all of that. Like other people are watching and they're taking note of like how seriously this city is taking this team. And so that was a really good start. And now we just got to see, can we keep it up? And, uh, you know, Next test comes to town this weekend, 7 o'clock Saturday. St. Louis is here. Um, guys, St. Louis, they got their first loss of the season this past weekend against Birmingham, 3-2. to two. They're Perfect sti- timing. Yeah, perfect timing. Um, <laughs> they're still the top team in the East, even with that loss. So they came out of the gate flying. Um, the one interesting thing, I went back and sort of just watched the highlights from that game. Two of the three goals by Birmingham came off of set-piece headers. So where it looked like the team, St. Louis, may have been lacking some height. So that might be something that we might be able to take advantage of with those Santos and Greenspan and Toby. So just keep an eye on it. Yeah. Um, We talked to Phil Grooms a little bit this morning, um, who's also on the USL show. He also does the uh, STL Soccer Report. He asked if we wanted to do a crossover episode. Him and Justin are going to record one later this week to give you sort of the full rundown um, and get sort of Phil's perspective on what's going on in St. Louis. Because clearly, you know, from them – they were in the East and they were sort of a middling team. And then they went to the West and they sort of same sort of thing. So to come back to the East and sort of have a whole new system, whole new crop of players, they're almost, you know, I don't want to say Tampa-esque, but Tampa sort of is doing something similar where it's just a whole new thing. And I think they went more youth and or with more youth and they're, they're seeing it pay off. So 
I think regardless of what happens Saturday, this is going to be an exciting game to watch. Um, and, and definitely you're going to want to keep your ear out to sort of hear what Phil has to say about this team heading into the weekend. Guys, what are you, uh, what are you sort of expecting here? I know that we talked prior to this game, prior to the home opener, and we said, how many points are you expecting over the next three? So we got three. I think we said over, under, are you taking six or seven? And I think most of us said seven, which means that, you know, between St. Louis and Nashville, you got to get four points. I said I'd bet on seven. But you I said you'd... Ta- I would take six. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go back and listen to the audio to make sure that's yeah. what you said, Kev? <laughs> want to listen to us and listen yeah, to us right. at the same time? <laughs> make this a, a weekly thing. Um, what are we thinking about this one? I mean, Josh, how are you... You know, top team in the East comes to town. How are you feeling heading into this game? Yeah, I mean, top team in the East coming to town at this point in the season, it's still so early. That doesn't really mean much to me. Um, yeah, I mean, five games in, and yeah, it, they've they've lost one. I think they've just happened to win more than they've drawn, so therefore they're they're a top team in the East. Uh, Hounds is, have also only lost one game, and you know what I mean. So I mean, and the game we lost was away, not at home. Uh, so that's you know. Something to keep in mind. It's not like, like slip that in there, like a little zing. Yeah, yeah. you know, I'm just yeah. saying. You know, it's, <laughs> it means a little bit more when you lose at home. Um, so I, I'm I'm not extremely worried. It's, I don't feel like this is like a mountain of a game that we have to try to climb out of or anything like that. It, it's gonna be a harder game than this one was. That's for sure. I mean, we we just beat the worst team in the league. Uh, so I don't want to get too big of a head, but at the same time, we've only lost one game this season so far, and that's the same as these guys. Yeah. So I don't feel like I'm that concerned. Kev, if you're Lily, are you approaching this game differently than we did against Hartford? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at their last – I mean, if you look at the, their last game in particular, but, I mean, them as a whole, I mean, you know, they lost the last game 3-2, but, I mean, they had – the lion's share of possession, you know, they they moved the ball really well, over eighty percent pass accuracy. Some, you know, a number we've been struggling to hit um, all year. They'll they'll want to control the ball, even if they're away. They'll want to control the ball, and I think, you know, that might be a little bit awkward for us at home. Obviously, they have all the points to do. I mean, but that being said, yeah, I mean, they have what they've only scored nine goals all year. They've conceded five. So it's not like it's not like they're like crazy good defensively. Now, obviously, some of that is painted by letting in three goals against Birmingham, but um, yeah. So I mean, it's 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 a weird thing. I, I, they're 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 going to be a team that's going to be confident. They're not they're not going to be they're not going to be afraid coming into high mark. Um, but I think they can also be got at. Uh, and and you know, it's obviously better that their first loss was, you know, the last game rather than the first game of the season. So. Yeah. I kind of feel like, you know, if we're coming into the season and we have these expectations of going all the way, then like you can't be afraid of games like this. You can't be afraid of games against Nashville. Like it's just sort of you need to consider yourself as being one of those top teams and you need to treat these other teams as if they're just any other opponent. And Lily's going to have these guys ready. I'm not I'm not really concerned. Um, I, I will be interested to see you know, on our turf, I could see Lily saying like, let's do it again. Like rolling out a four, four man back line and trying something similar. I would, that would not surprise me to see sort of the same sort of attacking formation and say, we're going to take it to him because Lily said that to us over and over again, like at home, 
we want to take it to them. Like this is, we got to put on a show and we got to defend, um, defend our turf. So I think that's going to be the most intriguing thing for me is, is seeing the lineup an hour before game time and really sort of seeing what we're going to try to do in this game. Um, so that'll be, that'll be fun. And that and seeing, you know, whether or not we can follow up a, a sellout crowd at the home opener with something close to a sellout crowd in the second game, Josh, you're like shaking your head. Like maybe not. Uh, it, it's Easter weekend. Yeah, it's it's going to be, it's a holiday weekend. It's going to be a lot tougher to get people out to the game. They, their family obligations, that kind of stuff. And right now it's calling for rain. So that's also not exactly a, uh, uh, helpful situation. So I would not expect a sellout crowd. And I don't think like it's a big deal if it's not yeah. a sellout crowd. For this game, there's a lot of other circumstances for this one, um, so I don't I don't want them to feel like if it's if it's not you know a full crowd there that things are falling apart. Uh, just be going into this one expecting a smaller crowd. I agree. Uh, let's do some predictions. I'm gonna start because I typically go last. I am going to say two one hounds and a bit of a nail biter, um, but I think we get it done. Um, I don't think we we get a clean sheet. I'd love to see us get a clean sheet, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think St. Louis, you know, whatever it is, nine goals in five or six games, they, they know how to put it in the back of the net against some decent teams. So, um, yeah, I'll say two, one Kev, what are you thinking? I actually think I'll, I'll predict the draw. I think this is the one we're going to get drawn. I'm going to say two, two Josh. Yeah. The practical side of me says two, two as well, but I'm going to go with the same two, one. I feel like, yeah. The high that was last last week and the low that was last week for St. Louis, uh, that's going to play a f- you know, factor in here, and uh, we could definitely see us pulling out the win. Isn't yeah. it kind of crazy how we all kind of – we're all more willing this this season so far. It's obviously like five games in. But uh, to, to predict that, you know, the Hounds are going to concede. Like, I think last last season we're like, nah, like we'll, we'll get a shutout. I mean, that that sort of ties back into what we talked about, the whole difference between shutouts versus crazy fun times. And it feels like if we're going to be pushing numbers forward in the attack, something's got to give because we weren't really getting that last season. So if we're going to switch it, you know, just, okay. Like, yeah, I, I'd love to see us do both, Kev. I'd love to see us get shutouts <laughs> no, 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 and no, score three I goals. I, I just I, don't... But, but I, I don't know. I, I would make the argument that, the goals that we've conceded, most of the goals we've conceded thus far this season hasn't been because we've just committed too many people forward. I think it's been really uncharacteristic mistakes by just, you know, I think it was, was it the first game of the season where it just, it, like we, we were so dominant defensively. And then for five minutes, we just had, we just went nuts and like Greenspan and out of all, I forgot how to defend. And it's, it's, it was just, it was just things like that where, well, and I also remember, I mean, like some of the goals, I know we were sort of pointing the finger at James a little bit. And some of that came from James mm-hmm. spending so much time going up and down the field and attack. So I think you have some of that. I'll, I'll give you like, yeah. I'll give you like 50% some. on that call. I, I won't okay. say you're wrong. I won't say you're right, <laughs> but I'll, yeah, I can, I can accept that, I suppose. And I, I feel like it's also just the fact that since we we don't have the the numbers to back it up this season as far as you know why we would be predicting a you know no conceded goals game uh last season what was it like five games six games like it it, we had reason to be confident and this season we do not have that reason (laughs) so it's a little bit easier to be like yeah we'll probably let it in goal 
Well, I think that's it for this one. We spent like almost an hour just talking about the home opener, which is great. It was good. It's good stuff. Um, but that's what we think. Let us know what you think. As we said, keep an ear out. Justin's going to be talking to Phil later this week, so we'll get much more in depth on uh, you know what's what uh, what to expect from somebody who follows St. Louis very closely. So that'll be very interesting to sort of hear his thoughts. Um, but otherwise, gentlemen, I think that's it for this one. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. If you're looking for more great Riverhounds news, head over to bgn.fm. Click on the Hounds logo. There you'll find stuff that we post, stuff that others at BGN are writing about the Hounds, Eastern Conference, all that sort of stuff. You can follow us on Twitter at Mongols. Email us at mongols at bgn.fm, at mongolspod on Instagram. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show. Leave us a review. Otherwise, let us know what you thought about this one. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later.